the American dream, and this is the very essence of the American dream, started on May 18, 1998. That's the day the Patels closed their family business in India and came to America in search of a better life for their children. You're about to meet Rinkish and Matt, the children who built that better life. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is The Chuck Williams Show. Welcome to the Chuck Williams Show. This is a weekly conversation that we've been having for seven, eight weeks now. And it's something that I want to make you smile. I want to make you think. I want to make you leave here and go, man, those are pretty cool guys. I'm glad I got to meet them. And tonight, we got two pretty cool guys. We're lucky to have with us Winkish and Matt Patel. And their story is truly amazing, an amazing story. I sound like the Chamber of Commerce there, don't I? Well, Rinkish, Matt, welcome welcome to the Chuck Williams Show. It's great to have you. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having uh, You know, it's... Uh, I was looking forward to this, uh, being honestly speaking. Well, and I'm so glad. I'm going to ask you all a question real quick before we start, and I may come back to it toward the end. But very quickly, Rinkish, define the American dream, and then, Matt, you do it. Define the American dream for me. You know, it's, the, the founding fathers of the nation put very well the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. And it, it varies for different people, uh, their definition of it, but just being able to live your life free and enjoy it uh, and, and prosper is an American dream to me. Well, <clears throat> Chuck, you know, when we, I was in India, I was 13, and while coming here, I thought American dream or life was Mickey Mouse and Statue of Liberty and Grand Canyon. 20 <laughs> years later, today, my, I, you know, I think American dream is also the daily hustle. Be what you want to be. What do you want to be? What do you want to achieve? Financial gains, personal gains, fame, whatever you want. This country gives you the best platform, best chance, and best opportunity to deliver that. And I think we're the sitting proof over here that, you know, this is the country. American dream 20 years ago or today. Somebody could be at Atlanta Airport today. And 10 years, 20 years from now, you could be interviewing them as them doing something legendary. So I think that's also American dream. And... That is the perfect jumping off point for starting this conversation because y'all lived in India. Your family was, was in the in business there. What kind of business? Your so <clears throat> my grandfather and my parent, uh, my dad, they were, uh, they were in diamond cutting and polishing business. So they would get, um, raw materials, raw diamonds from, uh, merchant distributors from Mumbai who would have relationship with Antwerp and Belgium, DTC, uh, debuters and such, uh, uh houses, warehouses. And it would give us, uh, you know, block of uh, gems that needs to be cut and polished, whether it's a marquee or, or ground diamonds or whatever it is. And, and mainly that's what they did. And in 1998, that that diamond business. Felt- so you know, India. You know, if you look at Indian history, uh, 1947 is when he cuts his independence. It's a very young nation, and um, the initial government uh, that was set up, um, which, which is a which is a Congress government over there. It was uh, not so much a uh, liberated, uh, laissez-faire government. There was a lot of regulation. It was heavily regulated on it. And there was not a not lot of um, unregulations and uh, incentives for businesses to grow. And there was also, at the same time, there was also a lot of consolidation were happening in different industries, stuff like that. So it was not a right, favorable time for it. Uh, we left India, and within five years, India became 
like the global, you know, right on the global platform, because uh, the ruling party for such a long time, ruling family party, kind of vacated, and the new populist party came in, and they started just, uh, you know, deregulating everything, and it gave us phenomenal power. So India came on a global stage, and we were here. So we felt like we also lost a boat over there. <laughs> I missed the boat over there. Well, <laughs> and you took that boat to, of all places, Opelika, Alabama. Help me understand. Well, you know, I don't think so. I, I think life yeah. took me there. I don't think so. I took the boat. Being I, think, I think it was the best accident that could have happened to us. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I would have wanted to be anywhere else when we got here. Yes, yes. But Opelika and Alabama yeah. and this Chattahoochee Valley area, to be specific, I, I can't imagine them being anywhere else yeah. in the United States. So my, uh, my, my mom's brother uh, was a hotelier, and he had a hotel in Opelika. And uh, you know that's how that's how we ended up over there. So my parents, my parents, uh, the skills were undeployable. Um, so you know they were they were hired as a hotel innkeeper, and they were at one point in Selma, then in Tifton, then Mississippi, and they would just go to job to job for a better opportunity. And we didn't want an interruption in our education. My parents didn't want that for us, so they said, "Well, why don't you just stay with your uncle and go to up like a, he was at the high school, over the middle school over there. I was in up like a high school as a junior." And then we went to the Auburn and everything. So, like, just stay here. So, for about six years or so, for the stability for our sake, we stayed with my uncle. And my parents were just going from one property to another property, you know, kind of just wherever the job was. What was the hotel in Opelika? Uh, at that point, it was a Ramada Limited. We're right where? In, in right on 280 Interchange, when you take the exit off, uh, exit number 62, uh, there's a Durango's Mexican restaurant in the front. It's, it's, it's hardly, you cannot miss it. It's right there. I know exactly where it is. I've ridden past it many, many times. Yep. yep. So y'all were helping your uncle run that, run that, and you were a student at Opelika High. Yeah, yep. I was. Just, I think it's a Alabama dream. I went to Opelika <laughs> Middle School, Opelika High School, did first year at Southern Union, and transferred to Auburn, and had the best That's, time of my life at Auburn, Moore Eagle, and you know it actually Auburn really helped me get to that point where I was able to come home and really join the family and help. There's nothing more Southern than Opelika High School or Eufaula High School to Southern Union to Auburn. I that's mean, what I'm saying. That's, 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 Alabama, that's a well-traveled Alabama route. dream. Yeah, yeah and yep, I think it's also a sense of belonging. You. What do you mean, Rinkish? You know, it's, it's so when we are in, when we interact and we do trade and business with a lot of people over here, they all seem to be either from Arkansas or Georgia or Florida. And there's a group uh, of, of cliques of people that are together, and you know, there's you can relate to them and go into the same college, going to the same workplace, and then kind of just coming about and, and going about your life. So when you ran into now, you can say, hey, you know, you're not from India, you are from Alabama, you are from Opelika, you're from Auburn. So that's that's a sense of belonging too. So you consider yourself Opelikans? Yeah. Why, why not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why not? Well, more now, more. Or the guys more, from Chattahoochee Valley, or yeah, or more, people, more or, or grew up on 280. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's part of this story because y'all ventured out and decided you wanted your own hotel, right? Correct. Yes. Correct. So, what year was this, and what did two brothers do to get this hotel? Yeah, so 2002 September is when we closed on our first property, which was Days Inn on uh, 431 here in Phoenix City, Alabama. And I was uh, barely 21 years old back, back then, matter of and fact. And you bought a hotel? Yeah, I bought a hotel with my parents, yes. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I think um, it's, I would, it would not be the fairest to say two brothers, but it was Rinkish and my father. Okay. That Back then, they, they did it 
obviously I would come home and help. Uh, we had a role, all four of us, my, my dad, mom, Rinkish, me, all of us had a role at the hotel. And mine was to, when I come back from school to help out. And <clears throat> it was a 64 room hotel and we were selling 78 rooms every Friday and Saturday. Yes. So the, that role, the evening role was mine, the hustle. I wanted to do it. We were. It was fun. It was the. I think the best time so of don't our ask life. How. So you, you were one hundred and twelve, one hundred fifteen percent occupancy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it was the best. We I were doing that it. Business. We were smiling yeah. and doing it. But how do you put? How do you put uh, more heads in the bed than you had, than the beds that you have? Right. I worked at Lake Point for a while and wasn't that quite of that kind of churn and burn, but I can get where people may come in and sleep or whatever. That's and then, it. Yep. And yep. That's then it. They, they take a road break or whatever. That's exactly what's happening. And we had a lot of people that were working in uh, industrial plants and they would work during the night shift and they would, they would check in in the like 6 a.m. in the morning. And at four, they're like, we're gone. So we'd clean the room, crank around, and then there was a sports group coming in. Boom, they're in the house. Yeah, and I think back then we, in Phoenix City, we were mainly the only game in town. We we didn't create competition against our own self like right now. <laughs> we're we're going to get to that. Gonna, my, my hotel A is hurting my hotel B, and it's now it's gotten it, well. It's gotten a complex game of, you know, we're doing it. it there is demand, and there is a demographic for each of those hotels. But, but it's, it's one thing you just said that a minute ago that everybody had a role. Your role was to come in and sure. be the pinch hitter guy that does mm -hmm. all the stuff. What was your role? What was your dad's role? What was your mama's role? So for me, it was mostly um, just arranging, uh, you know, the loans, the franchise, making sure the brand standards were being implemented and everything like that. Anything that had to do with, uh, you know, taxation, tax part, tax preparation and stuff so like that. So you're the financial guy. Correct, correct. The financial guy, the deal guy. Uh, and then my dad was front of the house. So he knew every customer and every customer knew him by Mr. Patel. Yeah. Even today. He runs into grocery stores and they say, "Hey, Mr. Patel, they, they all know him, uh, and our staff. Uh, you know, we we know all the all the individuals that were there, and they were there for the longest time. And we still some of them moved to Chicago, some of them moved all over the different places, and they still keep up with my mom and dad, uh, and my mom and dad, vice versa. They call them and talk to them and everything. So yeah, yeah. And my mom used to go. She would cook dinner every day, make sure that all, whatever we did, we came home at six, seven o'clock. We would have dinner." And I think most of the time she would do dinner for our uh, staff too. Our, our front desk clerks would usually eat, eat with us because we lived at the hotel. So, so we, had, we had a we had a live on uh, on property apartment. Uh, that's so, how the hotel was built, and that's where we were. So, even on weekends, on Fridays, the whole staff we would she would just make lasagna what, for the whole staff. What's your favorite thing that your mama cooks? It was pizza. But because then it's it's pizza is the well, it's a little bit different because they make it with Indian spices. Uh, the sauces and, are different, the ingredients are different, the dough is different, it's very different. Like right now, we so, can joke about it, our wives, they make this pizza with paneer on it, and we're like, if you open this uh, shop in Broadway, if hotels didn't work, they could open that shop, and I think we would still be okay. Cause they, <laughs> so you know, it's not pizza like it. as we know it. It's, well, you know, you, you, you take the concept of pizza, which is a pie and a sauce, yep, and ingredients on top of it. So you, you keep that sample the same, but think about a different type of dough, the, uh, different, different, you know, different flour. And then the sauce is different. You, you're putting the spices from India in there. The taste palette. And the ingredients, are, the ingredients are changed as well. So, you know, we're vegetarian, so definitely our, our protein sauce can be a meat or anything like that. So we take paneer, which, you know, I don't know if you have had an Indian cuisine. Paneer is like a curd base. It's almost like a tofu. 
right? So we kind of marinate it a day before, and then they put it on the top of it in the oven. So it's clay baked as well as the pizza is baked. So it's, it's, it's completely different. Like if you had, I don't know if you've ever been to California Pizza Kitchen, yeah. and they do this fusion pizzas, different kind. It's so like it's, a fusion. Yeah, you know, if they do the uh, Korean barbecue pizza. Correct. Okay. Or this is Indian version of that. Yes. It's really good. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, pizza is very satisfying. <laughs> So y'all are running this hotel on 280 in Phoenix City, and your whole family is kind of together for the first time. That, that's, yes. that's the biggest after part. After years, seven years, the whole family we was together. together. Yes, yes. And, and you were at Auburn by this time, right? Yeah, but I was commuting. Uh, I did not get to do the staying on campus uh, dorm life. Um, I was def- uh, going back and forth, leaving in 7 in the morning, and usually be back by 3 or 4 o'clock, and be back home to Phoenix City. Did you take the back roads or 280? Two, 280. I, I could drive on that road with my, not eyes closed, but yeah. I'll I, I mean, so much, even right now, we have so many properties in Montgomery and Auburn. That 280 is, I think it's, it's forever. It's, the road will be traveling. So the family's together. You're running this hotel. Sure. And it's, it's successful. You're, you're doing well. So... I think that was the American dream, uh, and that was uh, that's dream. that's it. I mean, you that know. that days in was the AC for us. Yes, it was the AC for us. The it satisfaction really, we got yeah. from that one hotel, it's it's more than some of all the hotels we have right now. So how many? So how long before you said we want another hotel? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think as a family, for my mom and dad, they're very content, uh, and even today they're very content, uh, and they've turned to religion a lot. Uh, and in their faith. Uh, for me, being young, uh, I just had a lot of energy, Chuck. Uh, and, you know, um, I just want to do something new and something different. And, you know, being in the shadow of my uncle, who was who had multiple properties that he owned, and then kind of dabbing into and traveling to different hotel conferences and seeing other people, uh, what they're able to do and how they're able to do it, say, you know, that kind of inspired me and say, hey, I could do that too. So next thing we do is I worked up a deal and I go to Cuthbert, Georgia. Cuthbert. Cuthbert, yeah. And uh, Paul Langford, the uh, mayor of Shellman over there, uh, is, a, is the gentleman who built the days and that we bought from. And I say, hey, Paul, I'd like to buy this property. Like, okay, let's let's talk. So I bought that hotel, and then I got tired of traveling on that road. It was wild. Oh, wow. I mean, the business was good, but it was in the middle of nowhere, Chuck. But but think about this. Somebody who just started with the money that you need, and I'll tell you, hotel is not for faint of heart. Extremely capital intensive. You need tremendous amount of dough. When I say dough, I, you need a ridiculous amount of money, equity to go into there, and they need to borrow the money to to make it happen. So, a thirty-one room hotel in Cuthbert, Georgia, is 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 it's okay to enter. You know the barriers were not there, but the barrier to enter today is is significant. Like what we do right now for somebody to just can walk off the street and do it. No. Oh, it's gotten risky. It's, it's, it's well, just really, not risky, yeah, just a barrier, just yeah. to come up, just to get that kind of, unless you're an old money or if you had fortune uh, handed out to you, it, you know, it's just, you're just not going to be able to put that much amount of money together. Um, and, you know, and that's the part, I want to get into the deal making a little because you are a deal maker. And you, you know, people who can make deals, it's a special talent. But, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of walking this, we're going to get to the kicker, people. The kicker is, I'll go ahead and tell you now, but the kicker is going to be the new AC hotel that's opening in downtown Columbus is owned by these two guys. But I'm walking into this story because it's such an amazing story, and it almost needs to be told chronologically. And so from Cuthbert and now all of a sudden, you're 
So the cutboard was our first, second property. Our third property was Econo Lodge on uh, on Veterans Parkway. Uh, There was another owner who had it, and the bank had taken it over, and we acquired it from the bank. Is that the one next to the 4th Avenue car? It is, it is, it is. And I think that's where I was based out of. That's where the RAM was born. So, you know, before that, we could be from Sparkway, yes. Across from St. Luke's. Across from St. Luke's, yeah. That's where, literally, that's what RAM was born. And a lot of people don't know is that the RAM uh, was born out of that and also was born out of the financial crisis. Uh, you know, we were managing. 2008. 2008, yeah. yeah. So by the time we buy the third property, it was 2008. And, you know, we were building another property in Bradley Park as a country inn. And our first Hilton was Hampton. We opened the Hampton a couple of months after Lehman Brothers has collapsed. And, you know, I think... And that Hampton was in Phoenix City, right? Hampton was in the Phoenix City. And by far, that was the biggest deal. If you were to take our three existing hotels and if you were to combine it, would be the size of this deal that was doing a standalone deal. And we're, hap- we're opening it in Lehman Brothers, uh, post-era of Lehman Brothers, exactly like how our biggest deal today, almost $25 million deal, we're opening in post-COVID, where, you know, and we don't know if anybody's going to check in next day or not. The, the travel ban is still there. In addition okay. to that, we were... In Hampton, we were almost building it ourselves. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. Yes, we were the contractors. Self GCing. Rinkesh was the project manager. I was a superintendent, and we were buying lumber on credit card. We were. I was best friends with all the subcontractors, and we saw it through. I mean, the day before opening, we were in the elevator cab uh, doing fire caulking on the elevator shaft, and the fire inspector back then, Chief, I forgot her name, she was patient enough yeah, for maybe. us to kind of get everything done and open the hotel. Yeah, it was uh, 5.30, we were waiting for a certificate of occupancy, and, you know, we, we were missing fire caulking on the elevator shaft. We got in there, Honestly, got the subcontractor, yeah. and it went up, and say, let's do the fire caulking so the chief can go home and we can open the hotel. So <laughs> then we open it, and then we start managing, put a shirt, a tie and a shirt, and now we're not in. a contractor, we're a hotel manager, and it was a, it was a change. This story gets better, Every time I hear it, because we've now gone from a Ramada Inn in Opelika to buying a hotel in the Phoenix City to Lehman Brothers. I mean, yes, that's the highest finance, and then it collapsed. I mean, yeah, correct. what did you do when Lehman Brothers, they were obviously well, holding know, paper of yours, So, right? you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that easy opening up the Hampton Inn. I think it was my first hotel, and I think I was most uh, concerned uh, or, or, uh, with opening of that property. Uh, it was a huge amount of risk. I mean, I still remember the numbers. It was a, it was a seven point eight million dollar deal, and we had to come out of pocket like almost one point eight million in town payment. And between me and Matt, it was a nine hundred thousand dollars that we had put in. And all of this money uh, was either a refinance from our other properties or our savings that we had today. Uh, you know, and that's what we put in here. And then also vividly remember that. The so you were all in. We were all in. So oh, all in. Oh God! Yeah, we, we're we're all in. Uh, and I think the and my parents didn't like it. Yeah, my uh, my parents didn't like Chuck, it. I mean, is there yeah. there they are they they are risk avert. They are yeah. Well, yes, because if you look at the stage of the life they were in, but like, look, our obligation to educate you guys and get you in the business is over. You're you're self independent. We're self independent, and this is more than we need and more than we ever we ever had. Why do you want to take on all this risk? Uh, and you know, it's a great question. It's yeah, a, yeah, it's no, a no, fair no. question. You no, know, my father was against it. Hundred percent was against it, and we got into it. <laughs> but so, uh, you come from a culture where there's great respect of your yes, elders. Yes, was was in your culture? It it means 
just about everything. Well, was that a sign of, did your dad or, or parents ever take that as a sign of disrespect? No, no, I, I don't think so. It was a sign of a disrespect. Um, uh, it, it was not a, not a sign of Never. disrespect. It was a, it it was was a, a thing a, of having to, he's, he had been through a lot in India. Yes. And he's been through the business. He's been through a tough life. And he's telling well, us, you know. So, so when we got here, we had debt in India that dad had took on. And we paid that off before we went and bought our second hotel. So, so he's like, look, I incur, incurred the debt over there. And I worked my butt off. I paid everything off here. And now you're in positive, and you want to put all the positive on the, on the stake on the table, and what if you go bust? So, yeah. So you can see, you it can was see the, a, the, a, the conundrum. A, we'll get, getting him to a comfort level, never about disrespect or not doing. If eventually, if we would have said, guys, I don't want to do it, I don't think Rinkish would have pushed yeah. it any further. We would have delayed it. We would have said what all we can do. But I think it was more of bringing him and my mom to that comfort level where, yes, you guys uh, them to be have confidence in us to say nope sure. no matter what we're going to do this and we're going to come out ahead positive did you ever think your big brother had lost his mind because he's the numbers guy that was figuring this out because you had to put a lot of confidence in rinkish or when y'all started this oh i always knew he was smart as hell and i take his lead on just about everything but i also drive him nuts sometimes and i challenge i'm i'm a conservative one and I, I do, I'm conservative to a very, very fault line where... A financial um, conservative... Absolutely. No, just don't know many things. Just about, yeah. I, 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 what I, you know, I, whenever, even when we look at hotels, we always look at it is, at the end of the day, will we make the debt and will we pay our employees? Yeah. And I want to make sure, I look for guarantees. There is no guarantees in anything, but if my vision and my conservativeness and Rinkish's goal of being aggressive, if they can intersect, then that is a guarantee. And that's something that I can I can work forward with. And once it's decided, that's it. Yeah. We're moving forward. There is no looking back. There is no thinking twice. It's a path forward to success. Yeah. And then, you know, for us too, very early I recognized that I'm into two different lines of business. One is, you know, heads in the bed, which is a hotel business. And the second is a real estate business. Mm -hmm. So we underwrite both of them separately. And we say, look, no matter what happened, if the head's in the bed, the brand doesn't work, or anything doesn't work, then on the real estate side, are we going to come up ahead or are we going to be upside down? What is it going to cost us to walk away from it? And that's just a standalone deal. At any point we feel like we're paying too much to build that hotel or too much to acquire that hotel, we just don't do it. Uh, we're we just yeah. not going to do it. And, or we'll find a creative way to do it where we can still get the same results. And then naturally, you know, you have the heads in the bed business, which is, you know, we, we think we're the best quarterback for, for branded concept, for franchise concept, which yep. is Hilton and Marriott. We have the strongest partner, most dominant brands, right? And we execute it very well. Um, and, I and, think and it, it works for yeah. us. The question that you ask about the, that decision for the Hampton, <clears throat> people still ask, but the question they ask is, how the hell did they get the Hampton? Yes. And how did they get it in Phoenix City? When we knew we were building a Hampton, that ticked off any any insecurity or anything because Hampton is the dominant brand. It, back in 2009, it was, and it's still today, number one hotel brand in the United States. Yes, in the, yeah, I mean, but back then, it was the category killer. All the way you could see one on Magnificent Mile in Chicago next to Ritz Carlton and it'll kick Ritz Carlton's butt. Or you can see one on Fort Benning next to Econo Lodge or in Albany. And regardless on upscale, uh, all the scales, 
Hampton was a category. If I have my choice, I'm going to stay out of Hampton. So that helped us assure. So, so that, that helped us assure that hey, yeah. we're going to be all right. The brand is was very important to make sure that it's the right decision. And, th- and that's the interesting part here. All of a sudden, y'all have been in. This may sound offensive, and it's not meant that no, way at all. Good. But y'all were in low end brands in the first couple of hotels and then you all of a sudden worked your way to these brands that sold themselves in many ways. Right. So ha- a lot of people don't make that jump. How yeah. did you jump? How did you make that jump? So, so Chuck, well, I'm going to just first and foremost say that I don't think so saying that we're in a lower tier decommission mm-hmm. brand is offensive whatsoever. And if somebody thinks that, I think they're wrong. Here's what I'm going to say. Work is a work, regardless of work, yep. what work it is. And business is a business. And regardless of what it is, uh, and I always had that mindset, first of all. It's how well you do it and how not well you do it. And Correct. That you could have Ritz Carlton and you could do a poor job or you could have a value place. And you could actually today, we have some of our uh, peers, some large companies, they have Ritz Carlton, they have 18 AC Marriott's, but they also have, they're building 24 Wood Spring Suites. So, you know, you have to have the discipline in hospitality. And then you can really play that game on segments and what you're So the diversity in your business is in the brand. It, it is. It's in the brand. You can say that. It, it type, type of product in the brands as well. Segments, yes. yes. So that helps you if the, lo- if the lower end of the market is doing better than the upper end of the Correct. market. Then well, well, it's as simple as is the demand generator. What are the demand generator? You know, if, if you're going to be around an industrial plants and there's going to be a lot of uh, you know, um, um, transportation crews coming in and stuff like that, then you want to be a lower tier extended state property because that's what the demand is there for. If you build a Ritz crawl in there, nobody's going to be able to afford it and going to come in and check in with you. Vice versa, yeah. if you're going to be on a very nice area, corporate urban town over there, and you put an economy brand hotel over there, they're not going to come in. And the suits are not yeah. going to come in, right? But that Hampton became the hotel, the Phoenix City Hampton became the hotel for the softball tournaments, for the Civic Center events. Yes. It became it became the hotel. We, we pulled from everything. But we pulled from <coughs> North Columbus, Fort Benning. Chuck, we, we I th- yeah, from. I think the, the main demand generators were already in Phoenix City. Yes. So there was always, uh, I don't know why Columbus, Phoenix City. No, we're, no. All, we're all family. Hampton always phoenix city had demand for him did, did it did it and fort benning helped us which is perfectly okay fort benning helps everybody in the entire chattahoochee community but there was demand now paper mill uh Alatrade, phoenix city industrial complex troy university we used to have so many people professors teachers students staying at the hampton inn so there was demand yeah, in so- that city that that helped hampton even today Hampton still works off of Phoenix City's demand. Yes. It, it doesn't so have to. So I would call it out. unaccommodated demand. When there's a demand for a hotel room that doesn't get accommodated by any of the existing hotel over there because it's not their current standard of travel, right? So it gets yeah. it, it goes away to a mm-hmm. built-in downstream or in Ufala, right? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that that business belonged to those two markets. It actually was Phoenix City's modern business. And that's the reason why, so you know, it, that's the reason why we did Phoenix City Courtyard Despite everything that was around it, we're the first on the block. Try hasn't even happened yet. Going into that area was dilapidated, but we knew it. We, we knew where the business was coming from, where the business was going in, and we took a bat. And that was a massive bat. That second bat, I mean, a, a person who has a lot, of, a lot of properties and travel all over the place, that was the last place they say, I want to put a $12 million courtyard here. 
That was, that Before was, even yeah. rapping was announced. Okay, okay. So everybody's clear. The courtyard on the Phoenix City side of the 14th Street pedestrian, the Frank Martin pedestrian bridge, is owned by y'all. And y'all built that in, in, in a pretty unconventional deal with the city of Phoenix City because they knew they needed y'all and y'all knew it made sense. Yes, right? absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we still saw that there was a hard tier on a commoner demand which was a little bit elevated customers, elevated guests than our Hampton, and they were not staying in Phoenix City. They were coming in periodically, and, but we saw that there was a lot more uh, demand of that, that particular segment, and then nobody was capturing it, and that's the reason why we did that. Do y'all ever feed people from the Hampton to the courtyard? No, never done that. Okay. okay. It's called cross-selling. Uh, yeah. We've never done that. Okay. I, uh, we, I don't think that we ever had a need for it. <coughs> not in Phoenix City. We not do that Phoenix. more in Birmingham and Montgomery. Yeah. Even Dothan, yeah. but uh, honestly, Hampton is just sits by itself. The reason, another reason why we wanted we built courtyard is there's too many, too many. There was already enough representation of hotels on 280, Hampton, Holden Express. All of that was there. There needed to be a hotel on Riverfront, and even though it was something that someone would say, "Hey, is it is it gonna work?" We felt very strongly that it will work and it will be successful. Uh, hindsight 22, I wish it was bigger. And nicer. <laughs> but we, again, my, you know. You me, wish that Marriott was big, the courtyard Marriott? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah it I wish it was seven off. stories. And oh, yes. Our rooftop looking across the river. Yes, most definitely. But, again, we wanted to be able to walk and run and not fail. So, and remember, I've always been where. Okay, people, they are walking and running. Ten years after they got to this country, essentially, because you got here in 98, so we're talking, well, 12 years, 12, yes. 13 years. Yes. That, that's amazing. That's- so, so let's get back for a second to okay. the Lehman Brother. So while we're building the Hampton, you know, obviously we had three hotels, and this Lehman Brother happened. We're worried about business collapsing. I was actually watching the, the news one day, and I was seeing – uh, Wells Fargo, Bank of America crashed, and I'm like, I need to buy those shares. Well, in Columbus, we saw Bill Hurd Chevrolet yes. crash. Bob Dolan, they all just yeah, right there. Correct. And you know, I I had full faith in American economy and American government coming from India. A greenback carries a ton of weight. I'm sorry for saying that on radio, <laughs> but uh, people don't understand the value of a greenback, right? But the greenback has a lot of weight. You gotta have folks. You gotta have confidence in American economy. This country is, is all that's only 200-plus year old, almost 300 years old. It, the, the institution, the government, the economics, the wills and everything, it by far uh, much more sophisticated and being able to avert any kind of, um, you know, disasters that are heading our way, whether if it's economical or now we're dealing with pandemic or anything like that. It was $5 Bank of America. I didn't have money because I put all the money in Hampton. I wanted to buy as much as I can because I knew that that's going to come up. And I honestly... It was just eventuality. It was just an eventuality. You, you know what I was that's, thinking... That's how so much... That's tell you how much aggressive I was, right? Sell high, buy low. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I yes. think we were confident. And <clears throat> Columbus tourism industry is very unique, at least from my perspective. We're still new considering other players in Columbus. When rest of the United States hospitality demand is slowing down, Columbus actually picks up a little bit. So when the rest of the sorry. United States was slowing down, BRAC was still moving along, and the demand, they were building the... Base closure and realignment. Yeah, yes. so that was right there at that Armor point. School. So we felt very well, very certain that the Hampton, all the hotels, like, we're going to be just fine. No keys are going to go back 
but I used to remember, I was a little paranoid, but I was little, the banks that we had the finances for the Hampton, I used to refresh their stocks. I'm like, it's $9, $8. I'm like, I call Rinkish, I'm like, what if the bank goes down? Well, it did. It, and did. it goes insolvent. It, it, it I'm did. like, bank did go insolvent. I, I ask him, what are we going to do about our hotel? Are they going to take it? Is FDIC going to come? So, 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 primary lender on our, on our Hampton. Uh, had participants, and when, when you have a participant, is if a bank is not large enough to give you eight million dollars, they go out there and, and participate with and three farm other banks it out and farm it out. Well, two of the participants in there had been taken over in receivership by FDIC, so the bank that was giving us the money couldn't advance any money, and we were, we, we were about two months away from the opening. And if anybody knows who's into a real estate business, is the most exposure that you have is not the day you start the hotel, but it's after halfway through it because you're exposed to the weather. The material of the building and everything, you're 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 incurring the interest cost on it, and somebody needs to get make that payment. Uh, you cannot just keep on rolling into the equity line of credit. So that has to happen over there. And there was a capital call. We had to raise additional million dollars because, luckily enough, the bank uh, they knew us. We we were already in. We already had credit with them. We we're very transparent. They said, "Look, guys, don't don't panic. Uh, we are going to find you." And we got Katrina money. Uh, they found a bank out of uh, New Orleans that was holding deposits from Katrina funds and said, we can lend. And then we found another bank from Chicago, and they said, yep, we can lend too. So we replaced them, but they say you need extra, extra capital to come to the table. I'm like, that's fine. And that's when we went back, and, you know, we, we, only, we were only four of us into the deal, and we had to add some more people into it, and that's how we got introduced to the investment world. And that's what kind of excelled the RAM is, and it was by accident, uh, you know. And uh, RAM hotels is the umbrella company for your 25 hotels. Correct. So so RAM is, uh, is it does not own any hotels. It only um, owns the consulting aspect of the business. Our, all of our businesses are uh, bankruptcy. All of our businesses are owned by a single-purpose bankruptcy remote LLCs. And we would be the common interest holders in all of those, along with Dr. Desai, who's one of our primary investors in all the deals. So us three are going to be the owners in all of them. Man, I'm playing checkers and you're playing chess. I mean, three dimensions. I think we're going to educate all the, all the audiences on this, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Chuck's going to start building a hotel for you. So no, that no, 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 no. You don't have to build hotels. You can no, apply we'll this. Hotel. Yes. We'll hotel so you can just invest with us. Oh, yeah. After this, definitely. <laughs> No, hotels, you know, it, it is fun. It's glamorous. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I was thinking yesterday, COVID, this and that, but if you think about it, travel and the business we were in, people were traveling 1,000 years ago on Silk Road from 70 different countries. People are traveling today. I think people are going to travel 50 years from now. You cannot keep human spirit contained in there's, one there's place, a disruptor for us. one location. Uh, I think the destination, the endless pursuit to go and try new things, see new things, that's in human DNA. Yeah, yeah. That will remain. How that gets facilitated, I, I kind of thought about this. This dang thing changed everything. It did. The phone Every, everything. changed everything. The dang thing it changed, changed it, it changed Hilton and Marriott's were the legend. Airbnb today is worth eight times more than that. So <clears throat> we could be sitting here, you know, large hoteliers, bigger even hoteliers than ours, Columbia, anywhere you could be. You could have some geek in San Jose, California, coming up with a brilliant disruptor idea where with his phone he can screw up my whole life in Columbus and all the empire that I built. So today's day, we not only have to look at our real estate, look at what we're doing in our business, 
but we have to look at the disruptors that are coming from there. We need to be the disruptor here. Is, we, di is disruptor another word for entrepreneur? No. No? No. No? This, this entrepreneur services. Y'all are entrepreneurs. Yes. We are, correct. At the very core. So, so, so entrepreneur could also be a disruptor, but disruptor yes. could not be an entrepreneur. Disruptor is just an idea that is out of the box and is going to disrupt something that's already some some sort of an arrangement. Airbnb was a disruptor. Correct. The so, so, some Uber to taxi is a disruptor. Yeah. Some sort of an arrangement that's tried and proven has been working for such a long time. Uh, you know, something throws a wrench in it and it's no longer. You know, Expedia, Expedia. <clears throat> was a disruptor. There is so many disruptors out there. Well, in this industry, CNN was a disruptor when it went with the 24-hour yes. news cycle. There you go. Yes. That was a it changed everything. It, it changed, changed everything. everything. It changed everything. <clears throat> you know, and, and it's interesting. So we're, you know, we're 36 minutes into this, and I'm sitting here going, I, there's no way I can finish this in 24 minutes. But when y'all talk, okay, we're now to a point where – Y'all are amassing properties. You're, you're get, you, you get out of the Chattahoochee Valley. You go into Birmingham. You've got a Hampton you follow. You get, you're in Dothan. You're in Homewood. You're in Alpharetta. So how did y'all start moving this into the 200-mile radius from Columbus? Yeah, so, you know, from 2002 to 2009, uh, you know, was our, our transformation evolution, you could say from uh, owner-operator to multi-property operator to a structured management company. And at that point, um, we basically took on investors, additional investors, just like any other businesses. When you want to scale it, when you want to get larger, either you got to come up with a substantial amount of equity or you got to go outside and, and, and so source So you're that selling equity. a piece of yourself to yes, people who correct. want to bet on you. Correct, correct. And it was for us, it was very accidental. Uh, first of all, it was very accidental. And uh, we, you know, and I was on Columbus Startup, a uh, few few weeks ago, and things came up about uh, the arrangements and everything you do. And as an entrepreneur, the hardest thing is to admit somebody into your idea or into your company. Uh, obviously, you need them because you need their their money, but at the, you're going to have to exchange an equal right, voting rights, say so rights, and everything. And you don't know how it's going to work out. Are they going to really uh, enable you, disable you? Do they uh, share your values? <coughs> share your values, sir. Exactly. <coughs> that was the biggest concern, and. You know, for us, uh, we, we, we stayed with true to who we are, and we were all just very professional, and we managed, we were successful, and, and that individual saw it, and then we were successful and said, look, why don't we just change this? And at that point, we said, okay, well, let's see how we do it, and say, look, you're doing this different. In a real world, you would be, you'd be a developer, and you'd charge a sponsor fee to put this deal to put together, and whatever pie that you're going to have into the, whatever piece of pie you're going to share, you're going to have, your 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 portion of that is supplemented by the sponsor fee that you charge, right? And the rest of it you come up with the table that allows you to not do two hotels but do four hotels in a shorter time of time. So you start you mushroom using investors. You mushroom. sure correct. But I think we the goal was always we grew organically. Yes, obviously, <clears throat> it's funny when we opened Courtyard Phoenix City Marriott. They have to screen us in if we want to manage it. We can build it, but we can't manage it. So we went through the whole process. <clears throat> they told us, give us, uh, they sent us 20 questions. It was a 200 page. I, I wrote an essay, man. I, I plagiarized and did everything. And I, said, <clears throat> I mean, I said, I'm locked. They're going to they're gonna let us manage this thing. And then they bring the book here at Columbus and say, okay, show everything to us in practice. Show us your HR. Show us your purchasing. Show us your discipline. Show us everything. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so four days, <clears throat> they flip the beds. They pull the ACs out. 
everything on the Talk fifth to day. Associates. Fifth uh, day, they ask, how do you feel? Like, man, I don't know. Or like, well, remember, you're approved, but remember, this is what it takes to get into Marriott. And sure enough, and they said, today, your life changes. And when you have a, when you own an asset that says Marriott on it, forever your life changes. And not, it did change. Everything changed for us. Everything. But then the same guy called us three months later. What are you guys doing? And we're like, well, the hotel is open. We're really happy. Like, well, what are you waiting for? We're like, well, you know, we want to show you that we're, we're doing good. He's like, you guys are doing phenomenal. Before, you know, you need to tell us where else you want to do this business. And there, we were like, well, Auburn, you know, we love Auburn. That's that's our uh, alumni. We know football season. We know there is a, quite a bit of demand. They're like, we were waiting for you to call us. They had four people that called them and said, would you allow us to build a courtyard? And they said no. But they were waiting for a call from us <coughs> to them. And from then and on, we became their favorite in this region. And it... it in Okay, what is your dad saying at this point? Because y'all have managed. He's just enjoying the ride. Yeah, at this point, he was. He, he's like, this he, is he, too he, much. He We're moving at such a fast pace. He's like, this is too complex. You guys are moving too fast. I don't have courage for it. Do what you're doing. Just make sure you have my money set aside and yeah. you give me back all the money you borrowed. No, it, it, it was it was great. He was still at the Days Inn, so I was. Yes. We were. We got so your dad's still running the Days Inn. <laughs> he's still running the Days. He would not. He would not let me sell it. I'm until, like, I need the yeah, money. Sell the thing. He, he, he like, said, no. until I get a guaranteed monthly check pension. <laughs> We're not. I'm not leaving. So Rinkish made an arrangement for him forever that you are good to go. He goes, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. I'm yeah, we had to sell that property. Then he was happy. He's content. You I know, got my money. I'm out. My mom is happy. You know. So there. Then I think they saw us become more mature as we were getting older yeah. too, and that they, they were worried for us too. Yeah. But when they saw that, hey, we can you, handle guys, you guys can do, even if this doesn't work, you have it in you to do whatever you, yeah. you set out to do. And how many people work for y'all now? About 480 associates right now? I think it's, they see, it would be. <laughs> 530? Six, 550, yeah. 600 people, yeah. not counting the QSR. Yes, sorry, we, have, we also have Burgify and Simple Greek we own. So, uh, and we're less than two decades removed from the family. You coming home from Auburn and cleaning rooms at the Days Inn in Phoenix City. Yeah, but don't make it sound bad, Chuck. Oh, oh no, no, no. I loved it. Uh, I no, mean, no. There was not, a weekend money, yeah. too. My dad would so, slip me a little bit of cash on the side, and it was, it was a good deal. So, you know, so the Ram, going back to the Ram again, and not a lot of people know this, and I was talking to... Was I, who was I speaking with? Is it Marriott? And they were surprised how we came about. And um, when Lieber Brother was happening, the same bank that was uh, helping us finance the Hampton Inn called us and said, hey, we have four hotels that have gone sideways. I need you to take it over tomorrow. As a receiver? As a receiver. So, um, Where we, were those hotels? Uh, Augusta. Columbus. Uh, Columbus. Um, Decatur, Decatur Georgia. Decatur, Georgia, and another Augusta. North Atlanta. North Atlanta yeah. Another Augusta. So it was about five yeah. or six. And then we also had two more individuals. I can't name them. Uh, one is very well-off individuals. I mean, in way up there. And another one is also very well-off individuals. Um, you know, hotel business was glamorous to them. They got into it. They didn't know what they were doing. And they were struggling. So on that deal, we were on borrower side. And we're helping them restructure against the bank. Uh, and the other four deal, we were on bank side, uh, helping them repossess the property, 
and stop the value erosion and recapture, recover it, and help the market and get out very quickly. So that brought us, so when we didn't have all these hotels, we needed to hire corporate staff, uh, you know, uh, Michelle Spivey, who you know, VP of Sales yeah. and Marketing, and a few of these individuals. We didn't have enough of our hotels where we could charge them a management fee and we could bankroll these operations. So banks own property that we manage and assisting individual owners restructure and get out of this mess kind of, kind of gave us the, the bridge three years till our courtyard opened up. So for three years, we were even creative. We even did that business. So I was actually in court representing uh, banks and everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, yeah, it's amazing. But the courtyard opens, and like, okay, you have a riverfront hotel in, on the Chattahoochee in Phoenix City. And then all of a sudden, not long after it opened, y'all had the brilliant idea to build Marriott's, one of Marriott's upscale properties. Yeah, so before we got there, we, we quickly realized that, you know, the economy was recovering and we were on the early, earlier part of it. And we realized that when Matt just said a second ago that, you know, Marriott was waiting for us to give him a call to do more deals. So we signed 16 deals. So we deployed altogether about $180 million, and we, we constructed that many hotels, 16 hotels literally in four years of a, of a span. What did it feel like to put your name on contracts for $180 million bucks? Well, you know, it, it, those are individual contracts, yeah, but, but there I'm are many reading, more. Yeah, I'm not reading them. We're not reading them. <laughs> well, Rinkish does, and I'm <laughs> hoping he just says Matt sign here. Chuck, you know, you know our, our lawyers are reading no, them. No, you know, I think, I think our, our lenders knows it. And all of the all of the counterparty on the documents that we signed, they know it. You know, all the things in there doesn't doesn't matter. What matters is the character and you have, and and the knowledge and expertise that you have. And how you're going to come out of it if things were to go sideways. The most probably is that you will never even have to pull that document out again. You 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 sign that to protect both the parties, but you never wanna you never wanna uh, look for the day where it comes out. And for me, if it comes out the way I'm the way I'm wired, I'm like, okay, we're gonna pay you everything back and more, and make sure we're even, even if that. And that goes that, back to your dad, right? Correct. And then that, if if that yeah. means that we're gonna have to be coming back to the zero or negative, we're gonna do that. So most certainly do that. And um, you know, and you know, like what Tim Sponsor from Marriott, you know, <clears throat> we were at the Marriott headquarters, and he was introducing Rinkish to some of the executives. And one thing he said is, Rinkish is man of his word; he's gonna do what he says. And no matter what, and Tim has seen that. And AC is a good example, Chuck. When we met on Broadway, what, four or five years ago? Till since today, we've told, we've given everybody the timeline, the dates. We've said we're going to build, we're going to start this time, we're going to open this time. And what you intend to do, you do. And it's so important in this business or any business that, you know, that handshake and what the, the, your word is so important. The AC opens this week, and I'll admit, guys, I wrote the first story when I was at Ledger Inquirer about y'all getting ready to build this upscale AC hotel by Marriott. And I remember walking away going, I'm not sure I'd take that bet. I, <laughs> there was something, in, and I don't know if I would have bet against you, but, and I know there were people in this town that said, I mean, I had some people tell me, It'll never come out of the ground. They said it won't happen. Well, it's happened. Why? How? I mean, I guess when you hear your story, it's not hard to believe it's happened. But do you think that's one of the reasons y'all do so well is sometimes you get underestimated? Yeah, I think. I think that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a good perspective. We didn't think we were getting <laughs> underestimated. <laughs> 
we wanted to build even larger hotel, but shift everything shifted, yeah. and when AC was an epiphany, and when we saw that, we were like, okay. Yeah, I think Matt was, the, Matt was the, we're watching, <coughs> it's a public matter, so we can discuss it on the call. We're actually watching the saga between the economical development offices and a group out of Chattanooga and another group here. Oxford. Where, where they were talking about building a hotel in right. the parking lot yeah, where the existing Marriott right. is. And, and we knew both of those, those groups very intimately, and we knew that they had too big of an ego, and one of them is going to go back and go cry up to the Marriott. We called Marriott and say, look, they're not going to call you and give, ask you to give you a brand. Um, don't do that. They're not the right player for this. We're going to get to what you need. We don't have a real estate right now. Give us some time. Let us work it out, and surely enough, both called and say we want to do this we want to do that like nope sorry rink is got already so you had locked up while while that whole court fight was going on you, between chattanooga developers and columbus hotel developers and who else who know there were other y'all were locking up the marriott ac brand yeah <clears throat> so we call why get into the fight same same conversation so I, that's the first time i've heard that because I wrote a lot of stories about that hotel fight, and I sat in the courtroom and listened to testimony. That's, I had no idea. We, uh, we talked you to Hilton. You just blew me away. I have a Hampton that's half a mile from downtown Columbus. And yep. there, there, is, there was a lot of things going on. What we told Hampton is, Hilton is, you made this decision. Our relationship with you is more than one location. We're going to sit back. We don't want to muddy the water. Even if you invite us to participate, we're not going to participate. We love you that still, much. They're still solicitating. Um, you know, if, if the Chattanooga group was gone, they're still soliciting. And, and, and we had built-in protection in our franchise agreement because we were thumbs throw away. So we we definitely have a all brands have what they call uh, franchise growth administrative policies. Within there, if there's an encroachment by another group that is building another similar product very close to you, then those the carve-outs are there. They're built into it. Yeah, so we could have definitely exercised our rights on it. But we said, you know what? Don't even worry about You're it. You're competing against each other right now because you have the Marriott. You have the Courtyard Marriott in Phoenix City. You have the AC Hotel that's a golf shot away over over water. Um, and then you have the Hampton up on the hill in Phoenix City. The Holiday Express, too. And the Holiday Express. Yeah. yeah. More than Marriott. I love them. Uh, it's a... It's a, it's a it's uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, Escalade and Chevrolet, you know. It's what, 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 line, right? you know. Yeah, we just want to make sure we don't do what Bill Hurd did and close the shop. You know? That's <laughs> why you gotta watch out for those disruptors, and you gotta look at far farther on the horizon and see what kind of complexities but come to our business. When you talk about complexities, are you proud of the AC? I mean, it's oh, a beautiful. Oh my God! Yes. I, you know, my son. I mean, he just, there's a party at AC. He thinks there's a party at AC on Thursday. He went to bed talking about it. He woke up talking. So you know that feeds off of us. So that's how excited we are. Thursday is the opening day. Yes. So it's. I mean. Y'all are not doing a traditional opening. You're no, not doing traditional no, so media. We, we can't. So, so this is what they call. So there are there are classic brands and there are distinct brands. Mm -hmm. So these are distinct brands. And in here, you know, once we get the certificate of occupancy, the building is, the building is deemed appropriate to be occupied. We turn over our own associates and our on our property over to Marriotts, and they have various uh, individuals. Uh, they'll come onto the property and immerse our team into their culture and in specifically the brand culture. 
and there's a lot of rituals and rallies and stuff they'll be doing. We we don't want to go there. It's it's their show. It's it's time for our GM to shine. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we want them to be uh, a CEO of our hotel and not a manager of our hotel, right? This is you're not running you're not running a courtyard anymore. You're operating an AC hotel, which is a distinct lifestyle brand hotel. The, the that is, it, that is at the upper, upper end it, of the it, market. It is, it is. It's, it's, it's it up is. there. It's up more upscale. And, you know, RGM has been on this hotel for a year and a half. Sales manager has been there for a year. <coughs> Supervisor started in October. The staff started in January. They work like machine. This last 10 days are about them. <coughs> yes, we built the hotel. It's We're there. We're at the entrepreneurs. But they are the one who are going to perfect it, make it ready for that guest that comes to Broadway. If we don't celebrate them today, when are we going to celebrate them? And that is, tomorrow is the entire day is, it belongs to our associates. And then, you know, why not make them be just as big of a fanatic about the hotel as us so that they can go out and tell the world? Why do you want to have one salesperson when you can have 40 salespeople? Can Broadway handle... Can downtown Columbus handle the, in this post-COVID world, can downtown Columbus handle the indigo that is open right behind you and the AC? Can both of them survive? It'll be tough. It'll be tough, Uh, but they can handle it. We'll ride it out. You got to plow through. Uh, I believe right now I am the biggest cheerleader for my competitors. I want them to be full. I want them to be full every day. I want them to be full before I my hotel is full. I want them to sell every room, and I want 10 rooms left for me to sell because we know that we'll be selling at a higher price than that. And if they are full, why am I worrying? Why Why am I well, worrying? Why, why do you want so, to undercut? Man, I'm getting business like It's like you don't so, think like I do. But, but why do you want to undercut? Yeah, why no, do you want to cut your rates? I, we are, you know, we have, we, we have changed. I am the biggest advocate for my peers, my competitors down the road. Hotels is not what scares us today at all. We're not uh, Look at the that. pandemic. It leveled the playing field, right? So it wasn't competition. It eviscerated the exactly. playing field. So why worry? Let It's a free capitalism. You're- Let people build hotels. What we do need to worry about that's happening that uh, I just wanted to take a minute to share, Chuck, is <clears throat> two things. Due to this new... Uh, um, government stimulus, the the unemployment benefits, our industry, hospitality and restaurants have taken such a hit. We are we're running on empty on staffing. Like it, it there's it's sometimes a, it's more incentive not to work and than Chuck, to work. It's about to. It nobody knows this is a mushroom, and we're only seeing the tip. It's about to get so bad. It's it's gonna get to a point where. You're going to go to McDonald's, there's going to be one person working in there. You're going to go to the hotels, it's, it's, it's bad. People, and then you got travelers. Because of pandemic, they want to go out and travel. They want to check in even earlier, but then the hotel doesn't have staff. Instead of eight people cleaning rooms, only one or two are coming. Are so, you paying more to your staff now yes, than you would have been paying we, we, pre-COVID? Yeah, so we introduced a hazard pay right we, recently we raised across all the properties. But, Chuck, I think <clears throat> what, what the, if I had one thing that I had a microphone I would tell people is <clears throat> let's be empathetic and be flexible. And I've told that to our all of our associates, right? Uh, especially if you're dining at a, a restaurant, leave a tip. 
If you have a capacity to leave a little bit of a larger tip, leave a little bit of a larger tip. It's okay. You're only giving $5 more. But to that person, it could be everything. It could be that they come back to work. You need that person to come back to work to make your drink, to come back and give you the food. Same thing in the hotels. You know, if they, if they don't have your rooms clean by three and they're asking to four, you know, that's, you know, be a little bit more flexible. And on our side, we're telling our managers also, as well, if you don't have the rooms ready, don't give a dry answer that come back, come back at five. You know, be hospitable. Can I get you a bottle of water? Can we take your luggage? Can we take your luggage to yeah. your room? Uh, we're going to have to get through this together. So, so the problem, uh, maybe the general population does not does not sense it or realize it, unless you're uh, you're employed in the travel industry, uh, fast food industry, casual or dining industry, uh, or you're just not going to you're just not going to realize it, or you're an owner of one. Is <coughs> the the prior Trump administration and now the Biden administration? Um, for the better sake of the overall economy, to keep all the spokes and gears spinning, um, they in, they introduced tremendous amount of stimulus money into the economy, and it's becoming more uh, beneficial or more, and arguably so. I would I would do that too, probably. Your hotels got some of that stimulus money, well, right? Well, that's a different thing. But yeah. when you look at all the associates that are working for us, um, they would get compensated more. Uh, probably 120, 150% more if they were on unemployment. So the incentive to not work is much, much, much higher. And what's happening is they're seeing few people do it, and then they're all like, well, if I don't want to do it either because there's a stimulus that's just coming, such a, such a big amount. So we, uh, matter of fact, I was on a uh, owner advisory call to David Marriott, and there were a bunch of owners on there, uh, which collectively as a group, we probably uh, represent about six, 700 Marriott hotels at least, and then the Marriott team was there representing 6,000 hotels, and across the board from East Coast, West Coast, Southwest, you know, Southeast, everybody say that they're throwing money from $10 to $18, still can't find anybody to clean the hotel rooms. The general managers are rolling up their sleeves, our sales managers are rolling up the sleeves, they're exhausted, they're tired, nobody's turning up for work. And it's, it, it, is, it is very real. It's, not, it's just not one market, it's across the board. We're hearing restaurants where people are not showing up for work, there are very few people there, and if the, if the leader over there is not able to encourage them and get it going and they're not strong, then the demoralizing and the entire staff is walking out and the restaurants are shutting. So it, it, it is, it, I, there needs to be something happen. And, and I don't know if they're going to do it or not, uh, but till September of this year, it is going to be very, very tough. And what? And there's an urge to travel right now. Well, yes, absolutely. So, so, so there's a pent-up demand Consumers for Consumers want everything right away. Yes. They're pent-up. They want it. But there is no there's, staffing there's no to get it to them. There, there is no capacity. Uh, and, I, I mean, Chuck, there is no capacity. And then think about the, it, you know, how financial crisis affected everything down the road. All of this, it affects factories. It affect, affects uh, uh, cotton mills. So it affects, you know, our linen, our pillows, our towels. None of that stuff Everything is, is all backlogged August, September. Back order. Yeah, so, but now we don't have supplies for our housekeepers. So before we used to have stuff on the shelf. Now they're having to wash it, put it back. So the, the stress level uh, in service industry has af definitely been elevated. And it's at a point where people, there's an exodus. There's people living hospitality yeah. industry. In, in, in trolls. I mean, when I say they're living in trolls, it's just a recent number uh, between all the full service and conference central hotels, not, not the select service, not the arenas we're into. Uh, close to 9,000 sales associates departed hotel industry when all the hotels got closed last year. Now, now remember, our business is is recovering and is ramping up, but the conference center hotels, the big boxes, okay, 
Yeah. They're not even early stage of recovery. They're still shut down. So all of those people were furloughed, and they don't want to come back to workforce, and they're all gone. And now that's a real problem. Now they're now the corporations are making calls and say we want to have a conference next year. There's no salesperson to take the call. So I, I they all left. Yeah, I don't want to sound pessimistic. We're, 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 I think we are getting better. Uh, recovery is definitely happening, but we're going to have to work it, together as Americans, as as people, and that definitely that part of empathy. And also flexible, even at fast food places, you know, the, we, we, there is a little bit of a longer line. It is probably because <clears throat> they're short staff inside. Before, right. it was two years ago, I would say, well, they don't know how to run the restaurant. But now I realize it that, well, um, they, they probably are deal, They're yeah. dealing with what you're dealing with. On, yeah. And the smaller, sure. the, when you boil it down. Yeah. You have now entered overtime in the Chuck Williams show. We're going to go a few more minutes, sure. and if y'all are, are y'all yeah, comfortable with that? Yeah. And one thing I want to get to, you know, obviously the COVID is in, your industry was impacted more by COVID than any other industry, with the possible exception of the airlines. You know, and you've come out of it, but y'all are continuing to look for opportunities, and y'all have. I mean, I'm a Ufala native. Y'all have found an opportunity down and you follow the Bluff City Inn, which is an iconic building on 431 that used to be a grand old hotel when you follow the Bluff City of the Chattahoochee, the the Vicksburg of the Chattahoochee. Um, And now y'all are about to refurbish that. I mean, I've watched many people balk balk at just the opportunity. What... I mean, obviously, y'all have a relationship with Mayor Tibbs, Jack Tibbs, the mayor down there, because you have a hotel there that they made, they help y'all make happen. But what made you want to tackle a historic project like the Bluff City Inn? You know, Chuck, I think uh, Mayor Mayor's always been a good friend of ours, and more than even that, the the city and the council and uh, and the chamber over there has been very supportive uh, from the time we opened up our first Hampton over there. And I think it was one of those things where we always make the market. Like before Indigo was here, before Hampton was announced here, we knew that there was market existed here for the courtyard. We knew there was a market existed for the Hampton, right? Well, I so, knew that too. My mom ran the Jameson down absolutely. there for many years. Yeah, so, but nobody wanted to invest eight million dollars in you fall and build a Hampton either. No. So, so, so we said, look. We're so take Jameson it back. was the upper end of the Jameson Lake Point with the upper right. ends of that market. Correct. So you know we. It's a long story. Uh, you know, even, I, the, even the appraisal and the market <coughs> feasibility study guy thought that I was nuts. Um, I, I also, uh, you know, a lot of our peers, just like how we have been elevating, in all communities you have RAM, and they're all our friends. And we there is an association, and they've all been elevated when it comes to that moving up in scale sure. chain. And we have some groups that we follow that <coughs> we admire. And, right, you know, we do similar things. And they have gotten into adaptive reuse. And we've been following that since 2010, sure. 2012. And we've been looking for opportunities, Columbus, Macon, Savannah, Mobile, anywhere to get a <clears throat> historic building. We, they, Our peers figured out the formula on how to do it. And when we realized that they do it this way, when we can do it, that's when this also made more sense, that now we but, have a blueprint. But that top floor of the Bluff City Inn is covered in three inches of, of bat, Dom. I mean, it is. It, it, it is. It is. And, you know, that's an unbelievable. Yeah, so, it's an un, I mean, you know, I couldn't get past that piece. I, you know, I know Mayor Tibbs is, is, is your, your friend on the 
Facebook on the Facebook and at some point he's gonna see this. I'm gonna say if Corona would have happened before I visited the hotel for the first time, I would have not gone in the hotel. But yeah. I, I went to that hotel well before Corona happened, and you're right. Um, the prior owner before city acquiring had not uh, uh, boarded up the windows, and uh, there was a lot of bats moved in, and uh, you know for, for years, for years, and you know there were there were <coughs> yes yes you know I've not been in there. Yeah, uh, I, you and Rinks were in there now. Ever you know, well, I left you, you in but, there. But I was Chuck, you were in the good part, but you were not there when it was really terrible. And that's all uh, you know. But you're going to restore that to yes. its to its. Well, you know, elegance. I, you know, you, you know, you know. Here's the thing. It's an um, elegant building. It's an elegant building. So I think we're 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 again going back to that. You know, making sure we separate the two sides of businesses, the real estate businesses, and then the then the guest facing businesses, heads in the bed businesses, and we know the, we're going to be fine with the with the guests, but we we we're we're going to be taking a substantial amount of risk. Our per unit cost at that hotel is going to be more than our AC. So one room over there is probably going to cost me one hundred seventy thousand dollars or more. What are what an AC room cost you? How about one one fifty? Wow. You, you know, I sit here and and I'm just absolutely amazed by your story and and I don't say that lightly because I think you know if you ask me to to find the American dream, which I ask y'all to do, start with. I mean, I would just point to y'all and say you're the American dream. But when you point to y'all and talk about the American dream. There's some people that would look and say, well, they're not American, they're Indian. But you, you're you more American than most people I know in the capitalistic way that you approach yeah. your your business and your life. I mean, does that, I mean, does that make sense? Well, it makes total sense. I think American ingenuity is yeah. not, you know, it, it's whoever comes here, whoever sees it, embraces it, and practices it, it's yours. And, Nobody's limiting yeah, it. And, Nobody can stop you from embracing it or, or leveraging and, it. It, it doesn't matter who, what somebody would call us. I am an American, I'm an Alabaman, and I'm a Georgian. And I'm an Auburn alumni, and <clears throat> this is home. And I don't think, I grew up, I grew up over here. I was, you know, I, lo- I lived in Opelika. I did everything that any normal teenager would do. So there, that's, that's not good. I don't think so that a teenager would clean a room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we did, we did used to have fun. I used to invite my friends. They're still friends with me, and... Used to do th- they would be so they would be so they would think I was so cool because I lived in talk a hotel. To me one day about cow tipping. I'm like, why would you do such a cruel thing? Yeah, <laughs> we did that. I didn't tip the cow because it, but... they're sacred to us. I tried to stop my friends from. Hey, listen, I don't think we have to be tipping the cows. Uh, it might be. There were so many moments like but, that. But no, they you left me with that. the cow and drove off. Uh, I had some mean friends. But go, just going back to it, it's all America. Just don't keep them, just don't cut them. Don't eat them. Right? <laughs> Look, when you land at Hartsville Jackson as an immigrant and you came here, well, you can, you either. Yeah, well, now, if you're, you're either a visitor or you came here for a better life, then you're not a visitor, you're an immigrant. This whole country was based on immigrants. And us immigrants are American, and that is why this country is so amazing. And even today, I'm telling you, there is a guy that's going to land at Atlanta Airport today that 10 to 20 years from now, 
is going to be changing the country for the better. So, and so it's gonna, the country is going to continue to give that opportunity there, to anybody. There's that so comes. much backlash against immigrants, and particularly immigrants of color. What do y'all say to that? I mean, I mean, how do you, I mean? You know, you know, today's immigrant immigration is very different. And if you go back to the, the, the Congress enactments of all the acts that allowed the immigration and everything on it, uh, there was a major milestone where, you know, uh, they allowed immigrants to come in from, and I think it was a, the world was in a turmoil, uh, World War II and Cold War era and everything. And then also there was not as many opportunities in, in Asia and stuff like that. So that particular, and I, I, can't, I don't remember, was it Eisenhower administration and what year was it and what act is it? But I do know for a fact there's, there's a tremendous amount of things that Congress did. And what they did is the first wave of migrant, and I'll tell you how the Patels and everything came about as well into it, is it, it allowed and it permitted, and those were the pioneer immigrants, uh, before Italians and you know, uh, many other ones uh, that came in, on, on the Chinese immigrants on the, on the Irish, west coast, of the, the Irish immigrants and everything. And this were all the scientists and doctors and physicians and engineers. They all came in, and they all came in for the better life <coughs> or to escape uh, atrocities over wherever they were from. Uh, and if you were to look at NASA, if you look at the defenses, and if you look at a lot of different companies like IBM, many of them were in there. Matter of fact, the, the two, three senior scientists, the food scientists, that had developed two to 300 products at Coca-Cola, uh, Pepsi, and RC Colas are Indian. And they were, the, they were the ones who were formulating these rings that American people were consuming and the world was consuming. And they were in India and they brought them over <coughs> here. And they were the sign. They were, removing, they were doing all the tests and everything. So in every field, not just, not just Indians, but all sorts of immigrants, that they were very skilled, very academians, they all came in. And for, for Patels, <coughs> mostly, um, you know, there were, there were joint families in India and, you know, household would have multiple siblings. Um, the older siblings usually would toil in the field or would trade and do all this work, and, and the parents and the older siblings would pay for the younger siblings. Those were the doctors and scientists and engineers that came to America. And they, they, they started working here, they started earning here, and then they sponsored the, their, their other brothers and sisters to come over here. Those are the hoteliers like us and guest station owners and other hotels here. Now, their kids are becoming doctors and, and nurses and, you know, engineers and lawyers and congressmen and everybody. So it, it's an interesting that, you know, we did a reverse brain drain. We drained the brains of the world. We attracted it to the United States. How could it make this country worse or bad? I, I just don't see it. You had an advantage that no other country had. I have an advantage over you. I was born here. I mean, well, well, that's a different and, advantage. And but you know, and when you look at it, I just sense this incredible pride in your culture and in your heritage that it just comes through when both of y'all talk. And in and it's a but it's a mixed pride in that it's both Indian and American. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. we feel both are our mother <clears throat> motherland. You know, the United States is, and so is India. We, the love for India is not going to ever disappear, but the fondness, the proud, the ego of being an American is a little bit of an ego, too. Yeah. That, you know, you know uh, you're an American. I mean, you know, you go to other countries, and I don't think I would be upset or embarrassed or anything. I would be proud, and I'm, I, you know, I would... I would say, hey, I'm from America. I'm from Columbus, Georgia. Yeah. No, I, I, we're, if we were to go back to India, I think we're referenced as NRI, non-residential Indians. So I don't think so we're Indians over there either. No. Yeah. <laughs> we have so. to cement our position here. Yeah. And you know, Chuck, one thing 
I think South also gets a little bit of a bad rap. I think we live here, and it, there is no, I don't feel that issue of I'm different or this or that. I feel yeah, like you, know, you love the American South. Yes, and I feel like we are just like a sugar in the milk where we're only going to make it sweet, and that's this community. You know, it's, it's milk and we're sugar. And honestly, in Columbus or Phoenix City, any other city, I have not felt ever that somebody made me feel like yeah. an outsider. I'm not. And you, you, you everybody over here, it's, it's, we're, we're yeah. saying. This has been fascinating. I mean, it's been absolutely fascinating. And, I, you know, we're kind of, we're 12 minutes into overtime now. Um, I want to do one thing I have done on these, and I'm going to be very interested to see what it is because of kind of where y'all from. I'm going to give y'all a chance to ask me a question. I call it turn the tables. But real quick, just if y'all wanted to ask me something, because, you know, I've done a lot of coverage of y'all over the last six years and you know, when y'all kind of burst onto my world. I'll start with you, Rinkish. Yeah, check. I'm drawing blank right now. <laughs> okay. hey, that's good. We'll go, you, I got two questions. Okay. Oh, oh. for me. <clears throat> Who told you AC wasn't going to get built? I got one on you that you can't. Okay. Okay. Second, you think that the hotel in Ufala will be built or not? How how certain are you on one to hundred? After this conversation, ninety nine point nine. Right. Okay. But you know, it's interesting because I think it will. I think y- y'all see the opportunity to take something with your. New Orleans people that are coming in as your consultants and everything. You know, that hotel, what makes that hotel so beautiful and so unique is it's on a main drag, and it has the balcony. You know, why don't I do this? I I promise in coming to you that we'll come back here, and we'll we'll touch on the science on how to do uh, historically adaptive reuse uh, in in a smaller rural town like that and how to put something together. Uh, Branding. Uh, the leveraging what exists over there and how to transform the space into, um, you know, something that will be a very, very good memory to so be. So talk just yeah. about that. Just, just talk about that oh, hotel. Third question for you, Chuck. How much do you want to invest? <laughs> uh, <laughs> everything I got, I'll go all, right, all we'll in give, right now. We'll give you an honorary <laughs> steak. <laughs> but, you know, but I will take make this commitment to both of y'all. When the Bluff City Inn opens and you fall up, I want to be your first guest. I want to eat in the restaurant on that bottom floor, and I want to go upstairs. Because one of the things people don't realize was back in the the 60s when they dammed up, uh, built the dam in Fort mm-hmm. Gaines and built Lake Eufaula. When they built Lake Eufaula, all of those Corps of Engineers guys that were building that lake and were doing all of that work, we're staying at the Bluff City wow. Inn. Yeah, there's a lot Chuck, of history. we're hearing so much. <clears throat> so when we announced AC, <clears throat> people knew. But when, when we got the news for the Bluff City Inn, I'm, I'm getting people from Valley, from Opelika, from Montgomery, from Pensacola. And just random, even yesterday, you know, Richard Bishop, his wife, she's from Eufaula. So, and she, they're telling us stories, and it's stories after, I think. I used to get my hair cut there. The, my barber shop was look, in the Bluff City Inn. She so, said that they used to dine there. Richard had a story a over there. Yes. I think that, you know, they had a story. Oh. We have another friend, Tim Knight. He grew up on the house next to, he called it Ugly House or something, right next to the Bluff City Inn. But there was just There's so non-stop. many people. We have so many attorneys. There's a few attorneys out of Birmingham, uh, and their, their parents are still in Eufaula. 
and they know us. I'm like, well, great thing. I mean, we got comments, we got texts, we got emails today. We, we can't wait, can't yep. wait, can't. I, I just the buzz and the action when, around when, it. When when do you think Buzz City Inn will be finished? You know, twenty early twenty twenty three. So it, it, twenty three it, might be when. Yeah. So later. so so the, the so here's the thing. When you when you do a ground up deal. You have a you know a you're fairly odd you know even shaped box of land and you kind of go up vertically. The the challenge here is you have to respect the existing conditions, right? Um, and and then you have to respect the the U.S. Park Service's requirements, yeah. uh, where you cannot. It's very historical. It's almost 150 year old structure. Yeah. So there's historical relevance elements over there. You just cannot ignore them. You cannot demo those. You cannot you know remove them. So when you are trying to build a hotel within it. Uh, and, and and let's not forget, this hotel, when it was built back in the days, it was a communal hotel. So I don't know if people remember that. Back then, you did not have a bathroom, guest bathroom there were, inside there the hotel were, room. There was you were sharing, uh, you were sharing a bath in the hallway. Dorm. Dorm, dorm. right? Yeah, it was so, a dorm. <coughs> it was a dorm, right? So how do you, how do you, how do you make it current, futuristic hotel? Um, so, you know, we have historical consultants, we have engineers, we have light consultants, we have interior designers, you know, we have brand consultants. There's literally nine different individuals working on it concurrently to, to, to kind of shape it and draw it out. And then we also have to have a contractor who says, yeah, whatever they're drawing or discussing, is it, is it even feasible to build? So, you know, it, there's a lot of nuances onto it. Y'all have tackled quite quite the, the assignment down there and I can't wait to see how it comes. Well this is bringing us to an end of the show and we'll do we'll, we'll do what I call Dylan. I want to thank Dylan Hansen. Dylan's been our director and I made him work a little past his dinner break tonight, but I really appreciate it. Man, yeah, I'll give you one last you got anything you want to ask these guys? You're you're a nineteen year old Russell County guy. Yeah, what's up? Um actually I do I do. So I'm a business major right now. Sure. And so like um, what did like what what did you study in school? Because like, I feel like I want to say accounting or something. No, no, no. Business management at Auburn. Uh, you know Brandon Cox, the quarterback. Yeah. <clears throat> he was in front of me. In so, a in a so real you're estate Harvard, class. You're, uh, the Auburn. Harvard. I studied business and supply chain management as my minor. Oh and wow! Graduated with that. <coughs> uh, I don't know how I graduated. Yeah, I was in computer I, I science. So I, I mean, when I. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's impressive. I, yeah, when I came here, I mean, you know, it, it's just. Cleaning rooms, heads in the bed was very basic, and and you know I'll, tell, I'll be honest, Chuck. You know we I did not knew any of these things. Um, you know the sophistication of the structure, the deals, the branding, the aspect, and all those things of it. Uh, none of the business part of it actually, and it's all hands-on learning. And I'm still learning on all those things on it, right? Um, because there was nobody to guide me, or there was no inspiration to do all those things on it. So at that point, you know Silicon Valley was happening, so computer science was more attractive and most coming and you know that's what I went into but didn't practice it for even a day uh, and just got into the hotels wow so, yeah I mean a lot of a lot of this loan and you know regs and everything that, that I'll talk about is just learning as going uh, you feel like your degree helped you at all or no <laughs> uh, this, be careful mind, how you answer you know, this <laughs> no, don't worry I'm not going to drop no, out don't worry so, no, business degree does <laughs> business absolutely, does. absolutely. Yeah. it will help yeah. <clears throat> I used to hear Rinkish talk about LLCs uh this, that, corporation, uh, finance, mortgage, amortization, a lot of those acronyms. I was 15, 16 back then, but they were doing the deal, and I was listening. And when, when I started going to college and really real estate finance classes, finance classes, um, real estate marketing classes, uh, planning classes, 
that's when it did help me. Someone like me, it helped me a lot. I have yeah. to learn, yeah. and then I can practice. I'm not one of those that just automatically has epiphany and learn everything. So it education is a must. Yes. Higher education is absolutely, yeah. absolutely the foundation and, you and, want. And let's say yeah. you're in a business and... You know, it shifts your mind uh, in, in a certain way, and, and it forms and builds a character and um, certain discipline. And then if you don't pursue business and you go into marketing, I think you still get to serve you. It's going to serve you very well. Okay. Uh, the composure yeah. you have, the how you interact with it, your understanding of it, and if it's something new, you'll learn a lot quicker. Uh, had you not had a formal education like that, it would be, it would be a struggle there, right? Yeah. So, so you do have an advantage there. So you, you must study, and, and you might, you might want to study something that, that you like now, but you might want to practice something different, and that's completely fine. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Sabi, I've been thinking about switching to like I don't know journalism or something, but Go, look, what, <laughs> it's so hard to like figure on, it out. Go, right. Look, like we said when, when when I told Chuck we're gonna build AC, we went through it. Whatever you commit to in college, if you want to ch change, try to see it through. Some people don't have that opportunity. Yeah. Some people have to stop because of hardship, and they might not be able to see it through. <clears throat> but if you have that opportunity. See through. See through. How, how Those four of, years will be worth it. How many of your wow. family back in India have advanced degrees? Who are the first ones? Well, our dad, dad yeah, graduated dad, from dad, college dad, in yes, India. Yes. He went from he graduated in uh, English college back in India. Okay. And here, nine of oh, my first. cousins graduated from Auburn. So all of us went to Auburn. Everyone. The family. It's a, it's a rite of passage. So we all, you know the hotel in Opelika? We all live there. Yeah. Ten of us, ten cousins. So, 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 so before you went to us, like 84, 85? They all came. It was a 120-room hotel, and there were four families over there. They had no maids. They had no front desk clerk. Four families, you know, three brothers and their kids. They, they maintained the entire hotel for, like, several years. And some of them became pharmacists. Some of them went to marketing. Some of them went to engineering, building roads. Some of them are with, like us. Uh, you know, even though they did business, they're in hospitality. But true and true, I think everybody went through Auburn uh, yeah. so far. I, I don't know about our kids. I don't know what they'll do, but Auburn's definitely a choice. That's, wow. I mean, that's not what you think of. I mean, that's just amazing. Well, we're at the time now. We need to wrap it up. And I, I, I really want to thank the two of y'all for coming. Y'all have been amazing guests, amazing guests. And this is what I'd hoped. I mean, I had an idea that this would be good. Succeeded that. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Thank no, you. Very thanks much. for having us. Thank you very much. Now we'll get to the part where we tell you how to subscribe. You can watch the Chuck Williams Show streaming live on WRBL.com every Tuesday night at seven. It runs to eight unless it's tonight, and it goes to eight twenty-two. You can watch the replay the next day on our website, and this one's worth watching. And coming soon, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Audible. You can listen to the show on the go. And on the social media aspect of this thing, you can get, you can get me on Twitter, at Chuck Williams, Facebook, Chuck Williams, WRBL, and on Instagram, Chuck Williams 0999. I want to thank everybody for listening to this show. I, I hope you got something out of it. I know I did. And as we kind of start to inch back to what normal feels like, be safe. But above all, be kind because you never know what baggage the other person that you're dealing with is carrying. You've been listening to the Chuck Williams Show on WRBL.com. Come back next week.